0: My name is Richard Daniels, 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 Daniels. and I am the archivist for the Occultaria of Albion. The Occultaria of Albion is a publication dedicated to exploring some of the strangest and most bizarre locations across the country, where hauntings, curses, cryptids and more have all been reported. I am now custodian of its archive and am gradually exploring many of the lost files in order to re-release them. You can find the case files which are now available at occultariaofalbion.com The Occultaria of Albion can also be found on YouTube and as a podcast. Go deeper and join the fan club for exclusive content. Go to patreon.com forward slash occultaria. Remain vigilant and remember The Wolves are weird. Are loose. Coming, just give me a second. Uh hello everyone. Great to see you. Oh, I love your costumes and that makeup. Hideous. It, it is makeup, isn't it? Oh. Just, just come in, make yourselves at home, and welcome to the Ocalterra of Albion spookadelic Halloween special. Please help yourselves to snacks. There's Claxby uh, Crisp's new Halloween flavour, Pickle Brain, and there's punch as well. Yes, they are real eyeballs floating in it. Don't ask. In this special Halloween episode, we're going to hear some real-life tales of terror, provided by some friends and fans of the Occultaria of Albion. And it wouldn't be a party if we didn't push the furniture back and have a little boogie, so a little later we'll spin a brand new Halloween platter. Right, let's get started then. Sit back and try to relax as we hear a tale from Steve Anderson, set in one of the most terrifying places imaginable. South Yorkshire. The
1: following story is slightly autobiographical. On a blustery wet Wednesday, two long years ago, I travelled to a place called Mexborough. Seven miles southwest of Doncaster, six miles northeast of Rotherham, ten miles south-east of Barnsley, and 1802 miles above Hell. Forgotten town populated by the souls of miners and inhabited by people who sell books about ghosts. Books I wanted to buy. The estate looked like any other. A row of houses made of bricks on a street made of potholes. This was the place. Number 27. Inside number 27 there was a woman awaiting my arrival. Little did I know how this moment would change the course of my life and plunge me into the dark world of the supernatural. I exited the car. One pound coin in hand, cold rain in my face. Each step towards the ramshackled old house awoke a nightmarish thought in my head. What if I'd read the advert wrong? What if these one pound reused ghost books weren't one pound? What if there were more? What if the advert was a trap to kidnap and kill people? People who wanted to read ghost books. Before I could turn around back to the car, The door creaked open. At first all I could see inside the house was darkness. Then I could hear the breathing. Dry, guttural breathing. And deep inside the darkness of the hallway, a cardigan-cloaked figure whispered to me, I've been watching you through my windows. A cold shiver passed through me. Are you here for the books? she asked. She walked away into the shadows and left me standing in the rain like a sponge. Moments later she emerged from the darkness holding a small pile of dust-covered books. She held them out to me. I looked at them and then at her, and froze. A pregnant pause while I hesitated to accept this invitation into the world of the supernatural. I gazed back at the books. The title of the first book, peering out from under a layer of dust, read Haunted Doncaster. I reached out to accept the offering. The woman did not release her grip. Her eyes glistened. Her grip tightened as she smiled. She spoke and said free words. She asked me a question. On the drive home, the window wipers of the car screamed out, pleading for the rain to stop. I listened to the dodgy serenade of the window wipers in complete silence. Later that night, I lay in my bed, staring at the ceiling. Her biscuit-like face etched into the smudges of the paint. She said three words, free words, do you believe my answer? Maybe.
0: What an enigmatic way to start the party. Thank you to Stephen and happy reading. Now, before our next story, there's just time to play a quick game. I have three boxes, A, B and C. In two of the boxes there's some lovely Halloween chocolate but in the third box is the key to the dungeon and you'll have to go down there and feed Wolfman if you choose that box. Hopefully he won't get overexcited this time. Okay which box will you choose? A, B or C? Decide now. If you chose A or C, well done! Enjoy the chocolate. But if you chose B, well, you'd better get down to the dungeon. Wolfie is expecting you. Right then, let's get back to the stories. And here's quite a chilling one from Wesley Smith.
2: I
3: lived from 1978 to 1985 in a haunted house. It was situated in a typical terraced street in East London, just off the busy High Street. My mum and dad always had a funny feeling about the property as soon as they saw it. But money was tight, and they needed a home. The house had once belonged to an elderly lady who had disabilities, and thus the downstairs was adapted for her. My dad, being a carpenter, joiner and general builder, would spend the next few years renovating this property and bringing it into the 1980s, rather than the 1930s, where the previous resident had left it. One of the first strange encounters would actually involve me, although I have absolutely no memory of it as I was under a year old. My mother placed me in the centre of her large double bed. I was the first-born grandchild and somewhat of a novelty, and was bought many huge stuffed bears and effigies of the BT mascot Busby, which my mum placed all around me, so there was no chance of me rolling off the bed. Besides, she was actually standing next to the bed, putting some things away. On this particular day, I had decided to cry non-stop well into the evening by which time my dad had returned from work and was now in the bedroom as well. Both of my parents watched as an unseen force picked me up from the bed and violently flung me across the room. Both rushed to my aid. Both were shocked and frightened as this did not happen out of the corner of their eyes, but right in front of them as they were looking at me. This was by no means the only story from this property, and we would be here all week if I was to tell you them all. Eventually, as my brothers and sisters came along, the number of people rose to six, and the strange force that lived within the home affected us all. My mother and father would witness a strange ethereal shaft of blue light walk along the upstairs hallway. On another occasion, the speak-and-spell toy that was left in the room started growling and making strange noises. Symbols would appear on its display that could not be replicated on its seven-segment LCD display screen. I witnessed a figure standing in the corner of the living room, and an old analogue alarm clock that would not stay in my mum and dad's bedroom, it kept appearing in the upstairs hallway no matter how many times I'd put it back on their bedside table, all the while no one else came upstairs. My eldest sister would have her possessions disappear, like party invitations and small toys. My three-year-old sister befriended the entity, and it told her the exact date that my mum was getting the house blessed. These facts were always hidden from us, So that we did not get scared. The blessing had no effect and we would move from the area. For a while we kept in touch with our neighbours who would inform us that the family that moved in stayed less than a year and they too moved. Look, I'm going to tell you something. You stay away from that place, place, place.
0: Thank you to Wesley Smith for that most terrifying tale. Hey, doesn't he have a lovely voice? You can hear even more of it if you listen to his own podcast. It's called As Yet Unexplained. Let's hear from Wesley what it's all about. We have been keeping watch in the cemetery
3: for since my court case ended. And we have still found the signs of their ceremonies here. Script. Uh, to tell the students that what they'd seen didn't exist. We weren't allowed to leave the school, at least I wasn't. My job was to walk up and down the corridors and
4: make sure that all students were in their rooms.
3: A sign of the cross was cut
0: on his chest with his own billhook. One of the most remarkable features about the case was the seriousness with which the police treated the whole witchcraft theory.
1: Vampires have been recorded from the beginning of time. Every culture, every civilization has documented the existence of these awesome creatures of supernatural evil.
3: Series 4 of As Yet Unexplained will premiere in November. Over the course of the series, we will examine some of the most well-known and enigmatic tales of the strange, paranormal, and unexplained. If you are interested in the paranormal, then this show is for you. This podcast will explore UFO sightings, ghost stories, folklore, murder, historical mysteries and unexplainable phenomena. Essentially, these are the stories of the strange and unexplained. This series, we will be looking at the Charles Walton witchcraft murder, the Westall incident, the Loveland Frog Man, the ghosts of Raynham Hall and our two-part episode that looks into the horrors of the Highgate Vampire. The podcast can be found on most podcast platforms. Please consider liking, subscribing, sharing, or even writing a review on whatever platform you use to listen to podcasts.
0: Be sure to check out Wesley Smith's podcast. Let's go then from one podcaster to another. The Reverend Peter Laws with a particularly scary story.
2: Hello, I'm Peter Laws, the host of the Frightful podcast and also Creepy Cove Community Church, the Horror Church podcast and Our Curious Past podcast. yes, yeah, a few too many. Anyway, um, I've been asked to share a little bit about a spooky experience that I've had. I've had a few unusual experiences, I guess. Uh, but one that comes to mind is when I was a teenager, my friends and I would go hunting for ghosts and we would hop over the fences of abandoned buildings. And when we were able to drive cars, We would go further afield, and I remember one night we kind of broke into a National Trust property somewhere called uh, Dunstanborough Castle. I think it was National Trust. It was a very dramatic place, and we went there and tried to do a seance in the middle of this spooky old castle. It's very atmospheric. But the one that comes to mind particularly is one night when my friends and I jumped over the fence of this old kind of, well, not an asylum, but a kind of sanitarium for a sanatorium for, uh, ex miners in the Northeast, which is where I was from, where I grew up. And so we ran into this place and we were hunting for ghosts as ever. But at one point we moved around the corner at the back of this old spooky building. And a few of us just saw a strange figure, but it wasn't a ghostly figure. It was more like the silhouette of a bizarre kind of humanoid animal, almost like a rabbit, almost like an alien. I don't know what the heck it was, but it was this very stark silhouette. And it was standing on top of the building, like right on the peak of one of the roofs. And it was starting to crouch down and turning its head to look at us. It was really terrifying, to be honest. And my friends and I just spun on our heels and rushed out of there and sprinted home. And I remember that I whipped out my diary and I wrote a very kind of in-depth description of what had happened. And even though my heart was pounding and I was terrified, I did start to go back. (laughs) I wanted to go back to see what was there, but I didn't see anything again. But I just had this thought of this kind of tall black figure being there. Anyway, years later, I was at university and I became a Christian. That's a whole other story, but it was a, a surprise for me to become one of those And I went to uh, see a church minister who suggested that I might find it helpful to pray through all of the different things I've ever done wrong. And literally, I sat with him and a woman, and I just shared everything I've ever done that I've been ashamed of. It was quite an emotional couple of hours, (laughs) and I shared all of these things. And afterwards, I really did feel quite a weight come off me. But the minister said, I'm really pleased that you did that. He says, because when I saw you uh, the other day, I saw this black figure standing with you. And now that you've done all of that, that figure is gone. I had a little shiver at that, of course. And then, randomly, a week later, I was feeling loads better and Encouraged, but a week later, I happened to be performing some kind of middle of the road singing in a Blackpool nightclub. I know, yeah, just making money as a student. And I was up there singing, I think it was Tell Her About It by Billy Joel. Billy Joel. And that night in the hotel, they gave me a hotel room, I was lying in bed and as I was lying there, I just looked up and I saw this black figure in my room walking towards my bed. And it could have been a hypnagogic hallucination, you know, half asleep or whatever, but it was really quite frightening. But then it just went and I've never really experienced that since. I'm totally aware and open to the fact that that might've just been a dream or we may have mistook something when I was younger. Although, it was so distinct on top of that rooftop, I don't know. It's, it's fascinated me ever since, and um, it actually became the inspiration for my second novel called Unleashed, which talks about a tall black rabbit that comes to usher people towards death. And um, I, so I got a book out of it, but also very stark images that I've never, ever forgotten.
0: Well, thanks, Peter. I think I need to use the loo again now. I won't be a minute. In the meantime, just listen to this. It's another really good podcast you should explore. See you in a mo'. Introducing the
3: Matlock Tapes. I am Professor Wilbur Matlock, and my intention is to record my thoughts and experiences to these tapes, to document them as fully as I am able, so that in the event of my death or a cover-up by forces unknown... At least something of what I have learned may survive. The stories you are about to hear are improbable. You may even find them
4: ridiculous.
3: But please believe me when I tell you that they are all
4: true. The A sci-fi audio drama. Available now to download as podcast.
0: Right then. Now it's time for our final story of the evening. And I'm thrilled to say... It's an account written by none other than Nigel Fenwick, one of the founders of the original Occultaria of Albion more than 40 years ago. Nigel kept a journal and recorded many of his own strange experiences. What you are about to hear is taken from his journal. In this entry, Nigel is with the other founder member of the Occultaria of Albion, Roland Clarke. Listen then, to their strange Fenland experience.
4: I'm often asked what was the most mysterious phenomena which I experienced during my years of paranormal investigations. Though there have been many, one that will always stay with me occurred when Roland and I were driving back from a conference in Cambridge. It had been a long and tiring day, and we were in the midst of the fens, a mysterious and brooding landscape at the best of times. Roland's car, the old Cortina affectionately named the Beige Blaze, suddenly broke down without warning. We then both experienced a strange light with a deep violet hue. When we looked out across the vast flat fields, we could see a mysterious object which appeared to hover above the cabbages. Everything seemed to move in slow motion and neither of us were able to speak. The violet light pulsated. It was as if the light itself was scanning or probing the car. A moment later, everything returned to normal and the car started without issue. Neither of us knew what to think though we were both assured we'd had the very same experience as we drove on completely unsettled i checked my watch and realized we had lost nearly half an hour in what felt like no more than five minutes over the next few days we checked with all the sources available to us there was no mention of any strange lights or objects reported over the fens on the day of our journey. After that, the starter motor on the Cortina, which had always been dodgy, never had a problem, and the car always started first time.
0: That's almost the end of this Halloween special, and I hope that if you have enjoyed the paranormal party, please consider sharing this podcast with your friends, family and pets. You could even subscribe or write a short review. You know, it all helps. And don't forget, you can find out more about the hauntological world of the Occultaria of Albion at the website, that's occultariaofalbion.com Now, as promised, we're going to spin the latest platter from our friends, the burial group. And I hope that you will have a little boogie wherever you are. Here we go. This is the burial group with the Monster Macarena. Thanks for listening. See you on the dark side. See you on the dark side. See you on the dark side.
1: I don't.
2: story.
3: We particularly want to hear from you if you've had any personal experiences of ghosts or the supernatural. The supernatural ghosts, all the supernatural ghosts, all the supernatural ghosts, supernatural. ghosts.